0: And welcome to, from Dublin to Cleveland on this sunny July afternoon, uh, as you can tell from the lack of the <laughs> rock and roll intro, Logan is not here today, uh, it's just me, Brendan Thomas All right. I hope you're having a super summer so far. Uh, first, a word from our sponsor and then we'll kick off with today's program. Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wango's puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, they're ego-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wango puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. They're 100% wooden puzzles, so they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Mongo's puzzles really are cut above the rest. The Snow Globe puzzle is one of my personal favorites. I also like the chameleon one. Uh, and it's great to sit around the table, piece them together, and have something solid and secure that you can pack well easily and take care for fun when you've got guests over. So what are you waiting for? Go to www.wonglepuzzled.com and pick up your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code from Dublin to Cleveland to get 10% off your order at the checkout. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle for your money guaranteed back. Go to wongo, that's w-o-n-g-o-puzzles.com and use the code from Dublin to Cleveland to get 10% off and get puzzling right now. Okay guys, so today we're going to do something that uh, (laughs) hopefully you'll all find fun. So um, while I was browsing on uh, the internet, One of the greatest blessings and curses of our time. (laughs) I came across a website which is basically riddled with insults. These are all the wonderful things which, you know what, (laughs) you might say in your head. You probably shouldn't say all of them out loud, but if you do, you're guaranteed to get a chuckle. So sit back, relax, and uh, yeah, let the good time's roll. (laughs) Okay, first one. I'd like to help you out. Which way did you come in? (laughs) The polite way of telling someone to just leave. A great one if someone turns up on your front door and walks into your house uninvited. I may love to shop, but I'll never buy your (laughs) bull. You know those people who just speak absolute modern nonsense. I was today years old when I realized I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. Usually I decide pretty early on if I like somewhere else. And then it's up to them to convince me otherwise. <laughs> Follow your instincts, people. Someday you'll go far. And I really hope you stay there. <laughs> Oops, my bad. I could have sworn I was talking to an adult. Oh my goodness, the number of times that's crossed my mind lately. I love what you've done with your hair. How do you get it to come out of your nostrils like that? Some people really need to be told that. You know, when you're having a conversation with someone with long nostril hair and all you can focus on are the hairs going up and down, up and down, up and down above their lips? (laughs) Sometimes you just want to reach out your thumb and index finger and yank them out. Remember that time you were saying that thing I didn't care about? Yes, that is now. I'm busy right now. Can I ignore you another time? <laughs> some people might hear that and think, "Ah, eh, that's why you never answer the phone when I call. <laughs> nope, I just leave my phone in silence or in other rooms. Apart from when I'm memeing. Oh, you don't like being treated the way you treat me? i must suck. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, there's actually some people in my world that could use that one for I wish I had a flip phone so I could slam it shut in this conversation. Uh, flip phones were great. I think uh, there might indeed be a resurgence of those, but not due in the future. I think there's great resistance growing to the current Android and iPhone obsession. Wow. And thinks it best. Bye bye bye. I've been called worse things by better men. You're a gray sprinkle on a rainbow cake. Yeah, yeah, you might want to put that bad boy in the bin. Your secrets are always safe with me. I never listen when you speak. You bring everyone so much joy. You know, when you leave the room, but still. I hope your wife brings a date to your funeral. Oh my goodness. No, maybe don't say that loud. Never let that cross your lips again. Did you I didn't even know that was on the list. <laughs> Mirrors can't talk. Luckily for you, they can't laugh either. <laughs> Nonsense. Everyone's beautiful, uh, as the Lord has made them. Unless they intentionally uglify themselves. Keep rolling your eyes. You might eventually find a brain. <laughs> Maybe that's what, uh, that creature, with the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz, the ones the brain. Yeah. Just... Maybe that's what Dorothy should have told him to do. Your face makes onions cry. I would love to make onions cry. That would be the best revenge. Did I invite you to the barbecue? Then why are you all up in my grill? <laughs> The sad thing about that is I was once at church, and literally everyone there was invited to a barbecue except me. It was pretty darn awkward. And I didn't even fall out with the first, uh, or they day out with me. I think it was just an oversight and just an ill-timed conversation. <laughs> but then some people who realised I hadn't invited began feeling embarrassed on my behalf. And I was like, scarlet, absolutely scarlet. <laughs> You have so many gaps in your teeth, it looks like your tongue is still in jail. Oh my goodness. If your brain was dynamite, there wouldn't be enough to blow your head off. Ouch. Everyone's got a great brain, just so not everyone uses it. You are more disappointing than an unsalted pretzel. I can imagine that could disappoint some people. I don't, like, I don't eat pretzel that often. I think I was first disappointed when I ate one to find out how salty it was. (laughs) I thought it would just taste very bready, reddish, bread Bread like, whatever that adjective is. It's impossible to underestimate you. (sighs) Wow, your maker really didn't waste time giving you a personality, huh? (laughs) That's an insult to God. No, don't say that one. Her teeth were so bad, she could have eaten an apple through a fence. Oh my goodness. I don't think I get that one. Her teeth were so bad she could have eaten an apple through it. Okay. Oh. Oh, fair enough. Whatever. I'll never forget the first time we met, but I'll keep trying. Indeed, in every interaction thereafter. Hold still. I'm trying to imagine you with a personality. Oh, I know some people like that. They just try to leech off other people's personalities and they say the very same things as them verbatim. I'm like, relax, please. Okay, be your own person. I'm not insulting you. I'm describing you. As a teacher... That is an absolute wicked burn I could use in the classroom and get away with. You're cute, like my dog. He also chases his tail for entertainment. You are like a cloud. When you disappear, it's a beautiful day. Hey, I am all for clouds and rain. It keeps the farmers happy. That keeps food on the tables. Hello. You have an entire life to be an idiot. Why not take a day off? (laughs) Ah, I could get you fired. Your kid is so annoying, he makes Happy Meals cry. (laughs) Happy Meals should cry. They are absolute dietary, nutritional garbage. Stay well away from them. I'm not a nerd. I'm just smarter than you. He says, with a puppet, or whatever these stories are called, of Thanos, beside him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Alright guys, it's a few more for you. I'm an acquired taste. If you don't like me, acquire some taste. <laughs> I think that's so funny. That is like, so me. Bye. Hope to see you. Never. <laughs> bad, bad burn. Don't worry. The first 40 years of childhood are always the hardest. <laughs> Although I know a lot of people who are well over the age of 40 who could do that one. If you're going to be two-faced, at least make one of them pretty. <laughs> Nonsense. God's made everyone beautiful. (laughs) Although, theological point, if we are, as the Apostle Paul said, to be all people, to all people, we should probably have an unlimited number of faces, not just two. Eh? Eh? You know, the you your parents need is different than the face you put on to be Christ to your siblings. And you, what your best friend at work needs, not your best friend at university needs, or your best friend from home. So we need to be multi-layered, multifaceted, very flexible and adaptable, um, as per the leading of Holy Spirit. Okay, second last one. You have miles to go before you reach mediocre. <laughs> the hilarious thing is, they won't know what mediocre means, so they'll probably take it as a compliment. And the last one, I forgot the world revolves around you. My apologies. How silly of me. <laughs> ah, dear me. Goodness. Brilliance. Brilliance. <sighs> okay, guys, you might be wondering <laughs> why have I just spent about 12 or 13 minutes telling you all these wonderful juicy insults you can never use in real life? Well, it's related in part to our Bible story for today. In 1 Samuel 24, David is on the run from King Saul, who wants to kill him. David's got the opportunity to off his art nemesis, but he doesn't get the heads up from God, so he doesn't do it. In 1 Samuel 26, God again delivers Saul into David's hands, but doesn't command him to kill the king. So you know what? David doesn't do it. He says, Ugh, you're a bad guy, but I do love you. (laughs) You're still my father-in-law. I've never offended you. I've never meant any hurt towards you. I've never wanted harm to come upon you. So therefore, he chooses again to let Saul live. But something very curious happens in 1 Samuel 25. And basically, a man called Nabal, which means fool. Names in the Bible are very prophetic. insults David. David's living in the land of Carmel. He and his mighty men have, without being asked to, protecting Nabal's household, his sheep, his farms. He's a very, very, very rich man. And then one day, David wants to commit an animal sacrifice onto the Lord. So his men go and ask Nabal if they could throw them a bone, if you will, offer them some animal's which to do this. And Nabal absolutely tears strips off them, humiliates them. Um says that David's just a, a, a runaway from his master, no more than a slave and servant and all this nonsense. And David absolutely goes mental. <laughs> I mean, someone's trying to kill him one chapter earlier and tries to kill him one chapter later and he's very calm, very measured. Okay, he writes some psalms about how he was really feeling what was going on in his head, but He was strong and determined not to overstep, not to go before God. Whereas here, he just goes nuts and he's waving a sword in the air and says, you know, oh, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to kill every single person who lives under that roof. It's bizarre behavior. Um, (laughs) And maybe sometimes you find yourself in a similar situation where there actually was an issue, a major one. And you were very easygoing. It was like water off a duck's back. It didn't upset you. It didn't offend you. Maybe it annoyed you, but you didn't let the offense in. And then something small happens. Or someone you love misspeaks. (laughs) And you just lose the plot. You lose the run of yourself. I've been there too before. A number of years ago, I was at work. And the water in the street was turned off, so, you know, you can't really run a school with no water. You know, hundreds of people are gonna have to use the bathroom, um, you need to wash your hands afterwards. So it was decided that the school should be closed for the day. (laughs) I did not cry any tears. So my friends and I decided to go and see the really bad version of The Lion King, you know, the quote-unquote live-action remake. Um, <laughs> only with fewer uh, of the good songs, like Be Prepared, uh, a random Beyoncé song just for the crack, I suppose, and the scenes from the original movie just elongated unnecessarily. So, um, as we're on our way to the cinema, just to kill time, we're already in Dublin, <laughs> I saw this woman, I called her in my head a jigglypuff. Um, for those of you who are uh, British or Irish, you'll know Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> He's a talk show host and just takes on the biggest white trash. And they always wear these really flashy tracksuits. And it's like, you know, you're the father of my fifth and seventh baby, but you're trying to marry my sister for her money. And all this bizarre, bizarre, crazy behavior. And, uh, (laughs) usually he tries to help them find a resolution, if at all possible. Or else just embarrass them, whichever way you interpret it. So I saw a woman who looked like she belonged in his show. (laughs) Um, Walking up, and she just stole the sign, you know, please help me, I'm homeless, um, from a homeless man. Well, I stood there, gaping, thinking, What? So I wondered, okay, is he a fake homeless guy? Is he like a crook, a thief? Um, and she knows it, and she's exposing him? Or was she just deeply wounded in her soul and just started abusing this poor unfortunate soul? So I kind of stood there staring at the situation not really knowing what was going on and finally it clicked on me. <laughs> she had stolen from a homeless man. Well... I went nuts. And I began chasing her down O'Connell Street, the busiest street <laughs> in Dublin city centre. Now, I don't cuss. I'm a child of God. But, oh, goodness, I called her everything else under the sun. <laughs> I told her, you know, she's an absolute disgrace. She should never have been conceived and all this nonsense. Uh, but, you know, looking back, I, I think, how did I even think of this? And... uh <laughs> And as I chased her down the street, eventually I caught up with her, maybe 1,000 meters, 1,500 meters, because she was running from me. And I grabbed the sign, and I said, you let go of that sign now, you filthy, degenerate animal. And I had that we one of those weird out-of-body experiences where I just saw this crazy guy screaming <laughs> at this Dubliner. Uh, you know, what wh- Why trash, though, she was. And I had this moment of clarity. If I don't let go of this sign, <laughs> I'm gonna box the living daylights out of her. And I'm gonna open a jail cell. I'm the only one who perceived that situation and is convinced that I behave rightly, will be myself. <laughs> so although it pained me to do it, I let it go. And then she ran off in front of traffic, didn't get hit, fortunately or unfortunately, with the sign. And oh my goodness, I stood there fuming and sweating profusely. So my friend caught up with me, probably a bit terrified at my outburst. (laughs) And she was like, are you okay? And I said, let's watch the movie. So we went into the cinema to watch the movie, thinking it might possibly be decent. It really wasn't. But during During the circle of life, I kind of realized that the stewards had left the lights on in our screen and had no intention of turning them off. Which, you know, just kills us in an atmosphere. So I was angry about that. <laughs> so I came down the staircase. We had been at the very back. And then I went from to a steward and I said, you left the lights on. So he came up with me, turned them off. <laughs> turned out the switch was just inside the door. I got a round of applause and a standing ovation. It meant nothing to me. <laughs> and I sat back down seething for the entire movie. I no sooner had the end credits begun rolling, and my friend turned to me and asked, so what did you think? I glared at her, and I said, I should have taken the sign. (laughs) So I was like, what is actually going on with me at all? So when I was on the bus home about ten minutes later, I said, holy spirit, tell me why I would respond in such a Nonsensical Vogue. And he brought to mind someone, actually wasn't an identical copy, but someone who had certain uh, physical traits in kind with (laughs) the Jigglypuff. And Holy Spirit said, Transference. The first person, sorry, the one he brought to mind had upset me had offended me, had connived and railed against me, had tried to bring out a dark, malevolent reaction for her own wicked, sinful purposes, but had failed. But it had wounded my soul. The offence had gotten in, the unforgiveness had gotten in. But Holy Spirit said, you didn't deal with the anger at the root. You controlled yourself, but you didn't control the problem on the inside. So in that moment, when I saw this man being hurt, I projected myself on him. That victim mentality. That sense of um, helplessness and vulnerability and being taken advantage of. So I transferred my anger from one to the other. And I felt right. In my mind, I was Captain America, I was calling myself an Avenger in my inner monologue, <laughs> but it was still sin. The intention wasn't here. So a week later, <laughs> I was talking to a good friend of mine, a mentor, and he just asked him how my week was going, and I said it was fine, and he asked how was it really going, <laughs> and I filled him in, and he just smiled at me and laughed. And then he asked about the homeless man, and I said, "What?" <laughs> and he asked, "Well, did you ask him if he was okay?" At which I responded, "Why would I have done that?" <laughs> and then he asked me, "Well, you work you know in an English school? did you I don't know give him a marker and some more cardboard or sheets of paper to write his a new sign?" And I asked, "Why would I do that <laughs> <laughs> And he asked me, did you give him any money? Because, you know, he was homeless. (laughs) And I asked, why would I have done that? (laughs) And he said, (laughs) and it dawned on me the absolute hypocrisy of the whole situation. And I just burst out laughing and he burst out laughing. And I said, yeah, okay, I hear it now. (laughs) David found himself in a similar situation here. He could usually be measured and controlled. Not always, but for the most part, he, he was a good guy. But in chapter 25, he snapped. Just whatever mood he was in, whatever pain he was carrying, he transferred it to naples So as he and his mighty men were marching down the valley... <laughs> A servant came and spoke to Nabal's wise, smart wife, Abigail, my favorite woman in the Bible. David's one of my favorite guys. Abigail is my favorite woman. And they said, Madam, your husband is a fool. He's an idiot, and he's about to get us all killed. So I love her response. In verse 18, it says she got two loaves of bread. And we know from the Last Supper that the breaking of bread is the breaking of Christ's body to save us. Two skins of wine. And we know from the Last Supper that wine represents the pouring of blood to wash us clean of all unrighteousness, as far as the east is from the west. You can measure north to south, east and west, just keep going and going and going and going. Five dressed sheep, and Jesus is our good shepherd. Five sillas of roasted grain. Grain was very important to the Jews, and they would have grain offerings in thankfulness, I believe, to the Lord for his protection, his deliverance, and his goodness towards them. And 200 dried, forgive me, 200 cakes of pressed figs, Again, figs are very important prophetically in the Bible. I don't know if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree, but there was definitely one nearby in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve tried to make themselves clothes from fig leaves. Um, they represent man's attempt to hide their sinful nature. But you can't hide anything from God. In fact, you need to expose it so the wine, the blood, can wash you clean. And then she hops on a donkey. (laughs) And donkeys are also very important. You have Jesus riding on one into Jerusalem, uh, on top of all the palm trees and leaves and the cloaks. And she hops off her donkey when she sees David and his men coming towards her down the valley. She kneels in the ground, bows prostrate before them. And she tells David, I'm sorry for my husband's behavior. Here, I'm paying the cost for him, but you have a purpose. You have a destiny. You are the true rightful king of Israel. She knew that prophetically, I believe. And she said in verse 31, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. David was a man of war, but he fought the Lord's battles, not his own. He was about to fight one of his own and get revenge, but she did not want his claim to fame, his rise to the throne, to be tarred with a reputation of having been a murderer, an avenger of himself. And then she said, and I love this, When the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant. It's just like the thief on Jesus' right telling him, when the Lord brings you into paradise, remember me. So we have a beautiful picture of the gospel here. Abigail humbles herself and pays what was owed for the avoidance of one's wrath in the same way that Jesus humbled himself to become a man, even though he had equality with God, and suffered death, even death on a cross, paying with his life. The greatest gift he had to offer, his own identity, so that we could become his. That God's wrath would be turned from us, but instead, he would sign adoption papers in heaven and adopt us as his sons and his daughters, and now a layer of our spirit man and spirit woman sits in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And someday, <laughs> after we're finished on the earth, the rest of us will be up there too. I, Abigail waited a day before sharing any of this with Nabal, <laughs> but his heart turned to stone when he heard he had a heart attack and died, and then. David married Abigail before a covenant, just as we enter into a covenant relationship with our Lord Jesus, when we put our trust in him. Abigail continued to be smart, wise, and God-loving throughout her life. And they had a son together called Daniel. We know very little about him. From the Bible, only that he had two names. <laughs> but never records him having any sons. So maybe he lived as a singleton, maybe he got married but they never had kids, uh, maybe he died young. But what we do know is he's one of, if not the only one of David's kids is mentioned, who never caused him any major difficulties or spot a bother, uh, unlike Absalom and Solomon. <laughs> Um, so Abigail was an incredible woman, and, uh, you know, she really helped solidify David as a hero, rather than allowing him to turn to vengeance and possibly risk perverting the entirety of his story, which is really, really, truly incredible. So if any of you, like David, like me and my anecdotes, are struggling right now with unrighteous anger or a feeling of revenge or unforgiveness. I want to pray for you right now. God, heal their souls at the root. Bring into perfect alignment their wills, their minds and their hearts with your will with your mind, with your heart. Put the helmets of salvation on them, that their thoughts will be heavenly salvation thoughts. Arm them, O God, with the breastplate of righteousness, that no wicked evil thing would penetrate their heart for the rest of this week, but God trained them to put it on themselves to guard their own hearts. And remove the heavy burden Within them, O God, in Jesus' name. And guys, please repeat after me if this applies to you. Mm -hmm. Father God, boldly I come before the throne of grace to find help in times of need. My body, my mind, my heart, they were not made to handle this stress. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. This pain, this shame, this guilt, this fury, this vengeance. Vengeance is yours, Lord, and you will repay. But Lord, I choose to lay it at the foot of Calvary, where my own wickedness hangs once and forevermore. You look at my wicked state and you say it's dead. You say I'm alive, that I'm clean, holy, righteous in your eyes. In the likeness of Christ. <sighs> oh Jesus, I breathe in your goodness, and I exhale the pain, and I choose to be who you say I am, to walk in what you say I walk in, to have what you claim I have, and I lay everything else aside at the foot of the Calvary. And I receive grace, abundant grace for today, from your throne of grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. And guys, if you are going through something hard and you find that hard to pray, I'm going through hard times too. That's not to burden any of you. But uh, professionally speaking, things aren't great right now. And I need to... (laughs) I need to put this forgiveness thing into practice just as much as the next guy. And it's not about being a pushover or letting people walk all over you. But it's about showing up and showing Christ regardless. So guys, if you have any thoughts or opinions on today's video, would love to hear them. Drop us a line under the YouTube video or send us an email to from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail. Com. If you'd like to be on the show, if you have any ideas or plans for the show, send us your ideas there too. We love reading them, we'd love to hear them. Have a super special, awesome, wonderful day, and uh, <laughs> who knows, maybe Logan will reappear next week if he has better Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay, take care, friends. God bless.